amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. in you know it's time to begin and wherever you are whenever you are and however you happen to be listening we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to dlc especially if you are one of our geeks in sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run remember it's not how far it's not how fast it's how frequent get out there be consistent and we're going to be with you in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes because dlc is your downloadable commentary for the week Delivered the way we love it to be, and that is completely free thanks to our sponsors this week, Brooklinen and Squarespace. Squarespace! They're bringing the show to you, DLC, of course, the show all about games. And there are many forms, games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, and also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I am your host, Jeff Kanata, that's spelled with two N's and one T, and I am joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who's Santa Claus, the Easter Bunny, and the Tooth Fairy all rolled into one. Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello, Jeff. Uh, dear audience, I'm not going to say you need to go to my shows in Salt Lake City Thursday through Sunday, but I will say if you didn't go to my show this last week at the Hollywood Improv, you missed Dave Chappelle and I on stage together for about 35 minutes. So I'm just throwing that, that out there. Is that how long it took him to tell you to get off the stage? You just bum <laughs> rushed the stage. You're like, I'm on no. stage with Dave Chappelle. No, he gave you... me a very nice introduction. That's then I awesome. did a set and he came on stage and we bantered together for almost half an hour. And then we hung out till 4 a.m. And then I got up at 6. Whoa, dude. <laughs> how, what was that like? Was he cool? He's, uh, I'm hoping no Me Too drops, you know what I mean? Because he was the coolest. Yeah. He was the coolest. Well, as long as there's no Me Too drops, you can still drop that name, I guess, which is... But, what, uh, until wait. the... I, I hear BuzzFeed is writing a story about me. Um, Uh-oh. And how great good. my marriage is, so... <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, we got a big show for you. What a week of news between the Game Awards and the PlayStation Experience. Christian and I were both present at the PlayStation Experience. We had hands-on stuff. I got lots to run through. We got games, uh, end of the year games to talk about. And the best news is we have an awesome guest to do it with. Uh, you know that DLC is your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week we are so excited because DLC once again stands for Director Who Loves Cats. Because back with us is Senior Associate Art Director and Video Game Writer for Entertainment Weekly and self-described cat lover Aaron Morales. Welcome back to the show, Aaron. Thank you so much. I think this is my third time this year, so I, uh, I'm feeling pretty special. Yeah, man. And, uh, <laughs> very well, excited that I got one more in. You are, uh, you are one of our faves. So yeah, it's, uh, it's great to talk to you. Great to have you back and, uh, great to check in toward the end of the year on, on what you're playing and what you're enjoying. So we're gonna, I think it's gonna be a great yeah, show. Yeah. 
Jeff, I don't know. EW posted their top 10 faves already of the year. And so I don't know where I stand with Aaron right now. I don't know how much influence he had on that, but we'll, we'll see. Well, did you, if, if you look at it, the, my byline's on eight of the 10. So. Oh, I've, I've looked at it, Aaron. I've looked at it. <laughs> well, we will dive into all of that, but let's, uh, let's start the show the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. And you can always submit stories for our consideration by visiting our subreddit, which is 5x5dlc.reddit.com. Cool folks hanging out, talking about the show, talking about stories, so I encourage you to give it a visit. I, I this this is a weird one because I kind of feel like there's lots of stories here uh, that all kind of be can be summed up under big headings. But Aaron, you are a guest, so you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be story of the week? Well, you guys were both at uh, PSX, so uh, let's talk about the Game Awards, which uh, happened Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, ostensibly, a, an award show to you know. Uh, you know, give recognition to some of the biggest uh, games this year, but mostly was a venue to show off a bunch of uh, world premiere trailers and stuff, which I thought was pretty neat. There was a lot of good stuff there. Yeah, let's run down some of the some of the highlights. Uh, you know, Jeff Keighley's Game Awards. He's always he always puts a lot of emphasis on breaking big trailers and have having announcements. And this year was no no shortage of uh, interesting debuts. Um, what looking over all of the stuff that was announced, what were some of your highlights, Aaron? Uh, I mean, a new uh, From Software game that's pretty big news. Mm-hmm. Um, Camp- Campo Santos showed off their next game after Firewatch. Yeah, uh, Soul Calibur Six, which I definitely didn't see coming. <laughs> yeah, we are we are firmly in a fighting game renaissance. I mean, they are all coming back, and uh, Soul Calibur Six. I mean, I love the Soul Calibur games back in the day. It does look like it's still stuck in the late '90s in a large sense with that trailer, <laughs> but. Uh, pretty cool. Are you, are you excited for a new Soul Calibur game? Yeah, I mean, I, I loved Soul Calibur on Dreamcast. You know, I bought it at launch and it's probably the thing I play the most. Uh, but that series has definitely had diminishing returns for me. Yeah. Um, I think I, I, I think I stopped after probably the third one. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, Tekken 7 came out this year and I thought Namco did a pretty good job with that. So I'm hoping that they can do something similar and kind of reinvigorate, uh, Soul Calibur as well. Yeah, it's interesting how, we're in this moment where, you know, I see this trailer with this, uh, you know, boob physics girl getting her butt kicked at the beginning of it. And I'm like, this just doesn't sit with me the way it used to. <laughs> We're in a different world now. This kind of feels anachronistic at this point. But uh, I'm sure the game will be solid. The Soul Calibur games always had a lot of content in them, lots of things to do. And uh, I'll be interested to see more as that as that game gets closer to launch. Uh, you mentioned the new From Software game, which really was just a teaser. We don't even know exactly what it is. Um, I suspect it's Bloodborne Two. Is that is that what you're feeling as well? Uh, probably, or a new Dark Souls. I mean, it's, that's basically all they do. So one of those, <laughs> right? Right. It certainly felt dark. There was a uh, you know some sort of gory suggestion of of pain and suffering, and you know the things that some, From Software does best. So I'm sure that'll, that'll excite people. Uh, and then that Campo Santo game is called In the Valley of the Gods. As you said, this is the follow-up to Firewatch. And it looks to be a similar in, in tone, a first-person sort of 
cell shaded animated looking world, uh, this time taking place in Egypt and you're exploring uh, catacombs and such. Uh, I think this game, I mean, I'm, I'm after Firewatch, I'm definitely ready for anything Campo Santo does, but it looks like they're stepping it up in terms of ambition on the, on the storytelling front and the location front. So I, I agree with you. This, I was excited about this one. Yeah. And you know, my, my favorite thing, which the least expect, so I wasn't shocked that they're bringing Bayonetta one and two to switch, but I'm absolutely like thrilled and surprised that Bayonetta three is in development and it's a switch exclusive as well. Yeah. It's crazy. Christian, I know you were a big Bayonetta guy, right? Weren't you? Yeah. The first two games are great. I, I own the first one, I think multiple times. I got the Wii U bundle with one and two, and it looks like that the Switch version is going to get you one and two also kind of as a bundle. I'm excited to see what they do for the third game. I hope I hope they find a way to tweak it just a little bit and it's not just more of the same because I'm not sure if I'm ready for that. But at the same time, anyone that has missed this series before and hasn't picked it up, this is going to be a great bundle and a great way to jump into it for sure. Any other stuff from the Game Award announcements that you want to highlight, Christian, that we haven't talked about yet? I don't need to talk about the Game Awards. Really? You're going to be like that? What are we talking? I can talk about companies that release trailers. That's what we're talking about. Okay, so... so we we uh, saw them at, at, for the first time at the Game Awards. That's, that's what not we, where I watched them. Kojima Productions released a <laughs> long trailer. I don't for, understand. Uh, I really don't understand this. I don't understand. You, you, you're just like kind of uh, just opposed to the idea of the Game Awards. Is that the idea? I love the idea of them. Okay. I don't need to get it. It's not... It's So... Okay, but you made it an issue. We were just talking about the uh, the teasers that, all, which you have to admit, were first shown at this event, right? Yes. Okay, so, so yes. that's the context in which most people saw them for the first time, or maybe not most, but anybody that saw them first saw them first there. Yes, that was where they were debuted. My problem is the coupling of them with the show that's called the Game Awards. It's it's similar to a problem I have with a lot of like the MTV Music or MTV Movie Awards. And I think this year's was a step in the right direction. I feel like ultimately this style of of presentation and production cheapens the idea of legitimate awards holding their own or high, being something that is hoisted up by the industry as something that we are all proud of. And this is like actually deserving of recognition. And when you have a guy then curse expletives at the Oscars for five minutes in the middle of it and not get reined in. Like but that's, this, I mean, it, it still he was, feels they were, like they were trying to rein him in. He just would not be reined in. That's not the fault of the producers of the event. That's just one crazy person. That's like saying, you know, Somebody at the Oscars is responsible for somebody's, you know, a presenter going off script. It's it's the same. Sure, thing. sure. The, the the show still feels like late game X, late stage X Games to me, and I think it could be more and better. And I think the fact that we don't cover other sites or blogs or things in the same form or fashion, it, it feels um, unnecessary to me. I don't. I don't want to. Uh, yeah, I'd just rather not. But you know, I I, I think. I, uh, I would consider Jeff a friend. I'm not trying to make him angry when this soundbite inevitably gets to him because the internet is the worst thing ever and it would be taken out of context. I'd love to talk to you in person about it, Jeff. Um, I just feel like it could be better and it, it, I don't think it, this is, this is whatever. Okay. Whatever. I'm just saying that I was asking you about the trailers that debuted there and, and you got weird and I'm just trying to make sure that everybody's cool. <laughs> I'm, I am great. <laughs> All right. So anything about the trailers that you saw? 
that you saw later on YouTube. <laughs> what anything exciting? Um, I mean, we got uh, motorcycle for for Link. Uh, we got a new level for PUBG. I know you're a PUBG player. Are you excited for the desert map? Yeah, I've been playing the desert map. Uh, it's been available in the the beta for a while. Um, so it's fun to see that get a 1.0 confirmed for December 20th. I'm curious how different it is than what, you know, it's kind of been out in that, uh, in the beta server now with vaulting in the, in the des- desert map and stuff like that. And I'm excited for it to come to Xbox here in two days. I have that coming my way. So I'm excited to spend more time with that game. The desert map is, it's wild. You play a map for long enough. And you become so intimately familiar with it that the first few times I jumped into the desert map, it's like, wait, where am I? This isn't, you know, what what's happening? And it's not, you know, it's not reinventing the wheel. It's still a map with hills and water. <laughs> right. But it feels it feels different and it's fun. And the vaulting is is well implemented. Um, again, it's like praising a game that was like very janky <laughs> at first and being like, oh, you got so used to the jank, and now it's like, hey, I can actually climb over the thing. I'd expect a human to climb over. <laughs> this is a revolution. <laughs> what do you think, and staying on that sort of uh, battle royale mode uh, announcements, what do you think about this Fortnite 50 versus 50 mode where sort of uh, adding a bit of team into the mix of a battle royale? I just wait for Fortnite to announce Fortnite uh, Uncharted 4. You know what I mean? I just feel like <laughs> Fortnite is this It's game. just a cover band. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They can do anything and anything well in terms of the multiplayer space. Like when does Fortnite Overwatch show up? Like Fortnite Payload or whatever. And kudos for them for constantly evolving it. I'm curious to see when they really start leaning into monetization with customization and stuff like that. Um, it's a big team that spent years making it. So they got to recoup costs somehow. But right now it seems like it's a great way for, for gamers to get in and, and have a lot of fun, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's pretty I, cool. I was just hoping that they, uh, Fortnite was going to um, announce their own desert map and that they would just <laughs> constantly like troll PUBG like for the rest of time. Yeah, and it comes out like two days before the PUBG one <laughs> and is free. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. Um, <laughs> Aaron, I know uh, Christian and I have, have – talked ad nauseum about our feelings re-death stranding, uh, but we got a big, new, long death stranding trailer. I think it clocks in at eight minutes plus, um, and Hideo Kojima was there. What do you think about death stranding, Aaron? Uh, I can't wait to see what kind of game it is in 2020, but... Um, <laughs> right. I, you know, I mean, it looks amazing just you know the the way that metal gear solid 5 looked amazing when they were just showing kind of story trailers um but i i just feel like it's clearly so far off and we have no idea what it actually is so it's it's just i mean i guess it keeps us talking about it but that water part was totally playable (laughs) those games (laughs) yeah yeah you have the baby do a thumbs up in the throat (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i mean i I find it remarkable that that's all real time they keep insisting that that's all real time and i just i just find it hard to believe that the game will look like that maybe that's a real-time cutscene, clearly but i don't think you can expect the game to look quite like that because uh man how do you make that happen on a playstation 4 and then also have any kind of systems in the background of ai or scripting or stuff you know world stuff happening it's just it's it's gorgeous it's a gorgeous gorgeous engine but, well, it'll be PlayStation 5, so there's plenty of no words about that. <laughs> Probably true. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I've said this so many times at this point. I, I feel like I'm the broken record instead of <laughs> Kojima. Uh, but I, I don't need to see this anymore. I, I don't like. I understand people getting excited about this enigmatic storyteller coming out with his next enigmatic story, but just kind of you know, chill, bro. Chill a little while until you have something that's close to release. We don't need you to be at every event and show the next weird thing. I mean, those, the trailer is beautiful. It's undeniably beautiful in a weird, haunting, you know, disturbing kind of way. But I, I just, I feel like he's making these short films that are these weird dream sequences that, you know, to what end? Like, I guess we're all excited. We're all excited, but we're not any more excited today than we were the last time we saw a Death, Death Stranding trailer. But like, to be fair, you've Twitter outed yourself as not being on the Kojima fan bus. That's right? true, for sure. And, yeah, I've I've never been the, the huge Metal Gear Solid fan, for sure. And in this game, I think Death Stranding, I think what people, has people excited for better or worse is that Death Stranded is like apparently Konami had to had reined Kojima in somehow. And like apparently yeah. all those Metal Gear games we got was like the packaged like Disney-fied version. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and now Kojima's like freedom going and full so, David Lynch now, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I think that's part of what has people excited. I think the talent that's been, that's on board or you know attached to it has people excited, and then I think the pageantry and the WTFness of it has people excited because it really is this. It's like who else does stuff like this? You know what I mean? Like it is so out there and so weird. And then I would argue that Metal Gear Solid One through Five play incredibly well and are really really fun games. They have their own problems and cutscenes and this that and the other and plot details and twists. But like the systems in Metal Gear Solid Five are pretty incredible, oh, and especially no coming doubt. out of the 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 way that series has evolved from one with a static camera, you know, to five with this mini open world where you can run it a hundred different ways, and now what he can do unchecked. <laughs> like if we ever get a game, I have I have faith that it will be amazing. I agree with you. I, I, I'm. Definitely uh, a big fan of the systems in Metal Gear Solid Five. I, I think it's an extraordinary achievement in giving you freedom on the battlefield like that. But um, is that what this game is? <laughs> like, is that, are you playing a covert ops? Do, uh, what are you even doing? Um, so I don't know. I guess the mystery is part of the fun for people. It's just at this point, I don't know. It's it it's like someone describing their dream to you. To me, you know, it's not that interesting anymore. But whatever. <laughs> Unless you're in it. Unless I'm in it and I'm not. And yeah. I, you know, it's fascinating for Guillermo de Toro, I'm sure. And uh, Norman Reedus, they're <laughs> like, oh, yeah, it's great. Uh, anyway. Uh, all right. Moving on from that. Uh, Christian, what's your story of the week? Um, My story of the week, it, it's all about uh, PSX stuff. So we yeah. can cover all of that. But coming out of PSX, my story of the week and we'll talk about it later as well. So I don't know how we do this, where it's like we talk about the stories, but then we experience them later. Um, yeah, I guess. I don't know. I was thinking that myself. I was like, these are, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, of all the stuff at PSX, which we'll get to, but Wipeout VR is, when that trailer came out, I was just like, they're doing it. Oh my, because like playing it and then playing all the games that try that like lean into that a little bit that our VR games in the Wipeout Omega collection on PS4 is such an incredible collection of games that I've played on every system, every iteration that I can. I love that series. It's such a good collection there on the PS4. And now they're just adding free 
VR to it. And when I talk to them uh, at PSX, kind of in the, the press area or whatever, it's the full game. It's not two cars. It's not a Vista mode. It's not two tracks. I was told it's ev- everything in the game. You can do it all in VR, and it's just free. That's awesome. Yeah. In fact, I would I would even go further and say that I'm very impressed with how much VR was a part of the of the PlayStation experience. Uh, at least their their keynote and the event itself was jam packed. I think there was 19 playable VR games at PlayStation Experience, and the stage experience, which was an interesting one. It was very casual and kind of everybody just stayed on stage for, for the entire thing, uh, was very focused, at least early on. Uh, a lot of the focus, a lot of the time, a lot of the attention, a lot of the big announcements were centered around VR, uh, PlayStation VR, uh, much to my delight. Uh, and certainly Wipeout was a big one. Last Guardian VR experience, which we'll talk about. Christian and I both played through as well. Uh, I think that's it's pretty cool. And, and this new game, Firefall, for PlayStation VR. Another new game, Jupiter and Mars, which is this crazy dolphin game for VR. There's a, a lot of VR stuff coming out of uh, PlayStation Experience. And we've been talking in recent weeks about how sales for PlayStation VR have been very strong in the third and fourth quarter of the year. So I think Sony may have gotten the picture that they have something here that people are, are excited about. And also, it's cur- if you're listening right now, I think it started on the 10th and through like the 24th. It's been like that while supplies last, they say. But they have a the bundle, the GT Sport bundle. It's the headset, the camera, and GT Sport for 199, which is it, it, it. If you bought it on Black Friday, which is already a good price, now they're just saying like, oh yeah, well check this out. It's the old or not the HDR pass through version of the headset. Right. So it's the headset that you and I have. Um, which I think is still a great headset. You don't get the move controllers, this, that, and the other, but like it's still a hundred dollars cheaper than it was on black Friday. And I think like what, $300 or $200 cheaper than what I paid for it. Like crazy. If you're interested, it's easy to recommend. Now there's a, gr- a lot of good hand, uh, a lot of good experiences. The price point is coming down and there's more stuff coming, uh, on the horizon. So you're not just buying into a stale ecosystem. Aaron, you did you get a chance to see the uh, the keynote, for want of a better word, of uh, PlayStation? Yeah, Experience? yeah, and you basically had me at Wipeout VR. I think the <laughs> the last time I was on the show, I was talking about how I absolutely love wipe the whole Wipeout series, and I can't think of a more exciting way to uh, kind of like breathe new life into it. Um, these kind of old PSP games, is which is basically what they are, PSP and Vita. Uh, tracks that Omega collection is comprised of like all kind of recycled stuff, but you know, with a ridiculous, uh, shiny coat of painting. Uh, but then, yeah, to then take that and make it first person and VR, I'm super, super pumped for that. Yeah. And Christian and I both, both got our face on with it, uh, which we'll talk about in the VR segment of the show. But, um, I have to say, I was a little miffed. Uh, during the presentation that Sean Layden made this off-the-cuff kind of quip about how uh, barf bags are not included. You have to supply your own barf bags. And I'm like, dude, you're sitting on stage. You know, hundreds of thousands of people are watching. You're trying to talk about this tech and this really cool thing. Don't reinforce the one negative stereotype that everybody has about the tech. And even if it's even if it's kind of accurate for some people don't talk about that i mean i just it made me so upset it's like oh it's like the person making the low hanging fruitiest joke you know about 
you know, the, the guy on stage who makes the joke about the nerd in his basement or whatever. It's like, it's just the easiest joke that's not even accurate anymore. But I think it was just poorly timed because I think it was more a reference to Wipeout uh, than VR or them kind of paired together. Like, I was playing whatever Wipeout HD collection when they put it out on PS3 years ago, and my mother in law was sitting in the room and she threw up. Like, oh, really? <laughs> she was like, how do you... Just like a little bit or whatever. She's just projectile uh, vomiting. Sorry, Kathy. You're like, you're I listening. am not pausing this. I'm sorry. Well, I, I had to tell her, you don't look at the ship. Like, you you're, she was like... Yeah, you my don't like, watch the television while I'm playing. <laughs> no, you don't look at the thing at the... Sh- you look, you're looking ahead. And she had... But, you know, th- that game is intense and it's fast. It so I think... Intense. The idea of that coupled with VR, it's that it's the sediment that people were thinking. But what he should have said in a perfect world is, and you won't even need a barf bag. This thing is incredible or whatever. But or just, just not even talk about barfing. How about that? How about not mention barfing? <laughs> I don't know. Have you played Dirt Rally with me? Because <laughs> I mean, I understand <laughs> nausea has been an issue, but it's like this one's really going to make you puke. It's like, what? Come on, pal. Anyway. Uh, and by the way, I haven't had nausea. Well, that's not true. I'll, I'll talk about that. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> there's some other stuff from the PlayStation Experience keynote that, that is of note. Um, and from the, some of the, uh, panels that, that were, that happened throughout the weekend. God of War, which a lot of us were suspecting would get a release date announcement, did not. In fact, there was a rumor a couple days ahead of the show. Uh, there was a site that listed it as a March 28th or something like that uh, release date, and people were like, "Ah, oh, it just, it just, they just leaked it early. It's going to be total uh, PlayStation Experience uh, announcement." And by people, I mean me on my daily video game show. Um, but no, no release date for God of War. Uh, which is Corey Barlog was on stage for the entire thing. Didn't they kept joking about it not having a release date? But he did mention that the game clocks in, at least in the playtest that they're doing now, clocks in between 25 and 35 hours. Which, when you look at all the trailers so far, which show you know what seems to be a very guided experience, a very narrative focused. Uh, you know, streamlined, almost linear feeling experience. I think my instinct, my expectation was that it was going to be, you know, like a eight hour, 10 hour game. And maybe the 25 to 35 indicates it'll be a little more open world than we thought, or it just is full of tons more content. Uh, Aaron, did you catch that? And did it make you excited or scared of what God of War is bringing? <laughs> No, yeah, it's interesting because, yeah, they've all been fairly short, you know, very linear games. I mean, not one of them could have been more than 12 hours, I would say. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it has to. I, also, I just imagine, like, in this day and age, a game kind of everything is embracing open world in some form or another. Right. So I have a feeling it'll be a bit more uh, open in that way and less um, kind of just, you know, pressing forward and matching people. But you got to figure, like... In order for this thing to work the way it seems to suggest it works, your little boy, your companion on this entire quest has got to be interacting and doing stuff. And like every moment, even in the what you would assume would be optional open worldy side questy type stuff, has got to have interactions with the kid, right? I mean, I've, unless there's these pre-programmed things that repeat over and over, which I think would kind of ruin it. I don't know. I'm worried about that a little bit. Uh, Christian, are you are you hoping for 
Are you excited to hear that it's longer or are you worried that it won't hold up under that kind of length? I have faith that the game will be good. Um, I think the team working on it, everything they've shown looks good. I did think it was weird that that got like such a thunderous applause, like how long it's something like, I don't, I don't care how long it is. I want it to be good and feel like a compelling experience. It's like, I don't know. I just picture like Peter Jackson walking on stage and going, and the Hobbit will be three movies <laughs> and everyone going, yeah, make it longer. I mean, you like, joke, but people did do that for Lord of the Rings when it was like, it was going to be one movie and it gets to be three movies. And each of those movies <laughs> is going to have extended special editions that are four hours long. Yeah. I mean, that, that did happen. Well, but that's fitting the source material, the length of the source material. Right. Um, I, I have hopes that it will be fantastic. I guess it's good that if you're getting, you know, I think they're playing toward that getting your money's worth or the idea that single player games are short and six to eight hours, rent it and throw it away or whatever, return it, blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, length alone does not get me excited. It's what they do with, uh, what they do with the gameplay experience and how they make that feel compelling. Um, that will make it whether or not it's one of the, you know, the better games of the year. I think if, if it has that epic feel and it can sustain through that kind of length, I mean, that does get me excited. I, it does as much as I almost prefer eight to 10 hour games at this point, just because uh, they do feel a little more focused. Um, this, I don't know. This does make me feel excited because the way that game seems to play doing that on this epic journey with your son for that long, it just, it just seems, it seems like a ambition level that i'm that makes me what even if, more excited what if jeff and yeah. aaron what if the first 25 hours is a kojima cutscene? <laughs> there you go and the last five is gameplay it's like and now this recap video of where what's happened so far in god of war and it's just literally someone playing the first three games like a let's play of the first three games so that's seven that's 14 that gets you to 24 hours right there and in god of war three <laughs> <laughs> Well, Christian, uh, I think ha- it happened. It was called Metal Gear Solid 4. That's true. That's true. <laughs> hey, you leave that out of this. <laughs> uh, I'm just saying that if I spend 24 and a half hours with that kid before I inevitably have to sacrifice my life for him, it's going to be even more tears uh, in, in my living room. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Well, I hope it's great, man. I'm excited. Uh, they also said it's like there are no cuts in the game, right? Like that was the pitch. Yeah. It's got to be 3 It's a so, one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, holy moly. Holy moly indeed. Um, the big end of show surprise one more thing <laughs> reveal, uh, Sean Layden's t-shirt reveal, which is always sort of a game that they're pulling out of the, out of mothball to re, re you know, reintroduce to a new audience. Uh, this year was medieval, um, which I, I quipped on, on Twitter means that, uh, we're kind of hitting the bottom of the barrel of nostalgia, but a lot of people responded and said they have fond memories of medieval do you guys have fond memories of Medieval, Aaron? Do you do you did you play that game? I did. I played it in college, and it, it's fine. It, <laughs> yeah, it's that's not, how I feel. It's, it's like a it's like a B. You know, it's a B. Yeah, like a B minus maybe. It's it's fine. That's where we are. Um, B minus yeah. games now are they're yeah. coming back. Well, to be fair, um, Xbox did do Voodoo Vince remastered, so I think the bar has been sufficiently lowered. Yeah, I just think that uh, at a certain point. We 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 run out of nostalgia, uh, but I think Christian, you made a great great tweet uh, about nostalgia. Do you, do you want to say what it is? Oh yeah, it's just uh, I think that's what I'm talking about. It's like PSX 2033, and like and one more thing, a 12k version of Knack. <laughs> 
And yeah. everybody's like, Everybody goes nuts. I remember Nick. And it's and like, wait, nobody no. liked it at the time. <laughs> yeah. And then the footnote, footnote is that Shenmue 3 still isn't out yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I mean, I think part of it is it's it's comfort food, and it's that it is that thing remembered. And then he said on stage, so maybe this is true. Maybe it's an important game to him. So you know, dude's been in it for years, and if yeah. he realizes that these games are getting made, yeah, you lobby for the one that was your baby. You know what I mean? It's like when Bill totally. Gates finally does a 4K remaster of Fusion Fusion Frenzy, right? Like that's. <laughs> said numerous times that that's bill gates's favorite game <laughs> like yeah i mean I, I certainly don't want to take anything away from people that are genuinely excited about medieval if you have fond memories of that game and are excited to have you know sir daniel back more power to you i i that's great i'm glad you're excited i just um it, it's funny to me that it just i sense that some of the big deal as, that is made about these these remasters uh people get swept up in the big dealness and uh, don't actually have any memory of <laughs> the original thing, but except that Crash sold as like one of the best-selling games yeah, of the year, right? You're right. It gang sold busters. like gangbusters for sure. Yeah, you're you are right. So maybe I just don't know what I'm talking about. Just well, I just I don't think Medieval is is a Crash though. You know, right? It's like there's I mean Crash was a blockbuster in its day, and Medieval was like ah that's that game. You know, that's <laughs> true. <laughs> That is true. Um, I mean, I don't really even have a story of the week beyond those two. Those were the big stories of the week. Uh, Christian, did you, did you put? Talk, or did you want to talk dreams at all? Oh yeah. I mean, dreams. They had their, did you go to the panel? Did you watch any of that panel? I did not. It's really interesting. Um, I caught a little bit of it, and I'm still not sure what to make of it. And I, I think the hardest thing is that I don't know how they package it. I think that's why this year. At PSX and the, the main stage show, they showed like kind of a platformer. It's like, it's got, and this is the game. You know, you can do this yeah. in the game. But what I think it really is, um, I was talking to Khalif about this some at PSX too, and he had some great points about like, you know, if they can find a way to sell it or get people and pe- get it in people's hands, you know, Minecraft was what it was. And then everybody started doing their own things to it and it became this incredible thing. And it's this phenomenon that it is today. And Dreams has all of these tools to make all of this incredible stuff. And if you can get that in the hands of people that are like game design curious or even musically curious, cause you can score the thing yourself too. I think yeah. like you could have some really incredible stuff. I think the hard part about a game like that now is that maybe it works as your gateway drug. Maybe that's it. But I feel like the hard part is if you're game design curious, you can just go get unity. Like you can actually make a game <laughs> for free. Apparently everyone is already doing anyway. So um, yeah, but- I, I think the, it's interesting the comparison to Minecraft because Minecraft was never, never. marketed as – well, it was never marketed. But also it was <laughs> it was never presented even as – look like if somebody had said, look at this cathedral you can make in Minecraft, it would be a, con- a completely different thing. It, people approach Minecraft like, hey, there's these creepers and they come out at night and you have to survive. And then people are like, yeah, but look what I can make in Minecraft. And it kind of happened organically. Yeah, and I think sometimes Media Molecule suffers from this talking out of two sides of their mouth thing, where it's like, yeah, no, 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 no. There's a game in there, in there, but that's not really the exciting part. The exciting part are these tools, and the tools do look extraordinary. But it's like, what do I even do with that? Yeah, I don't know. Aaron, have you been following Dreams at all? Have they have you have you played it? Have you gotten hands on? Is there anything you can talk about secret stuff that maybe we don't know? Or is it just kind no, of no, no, I haven't played it at all. Um... But I will say that I, I, I appreciate what 
medium molecule does. But that said, my favorite game of theirs is the one that has the least amount of creation, which is yeah. Tearaway. It's so and good. I think it's by far their strongest title. Like the Little Planet games are great conceptually. I never enjoyed playing them. Yeah. And Tearaway, I thought was like a fantastic experience because they, you know, they created a game and you got to like kind of, you know, make it cute and, you know, draw things. And, but it, it was already its own experience. And I also don't really have interest in creating things. Um, I was so excited when Mario Maker came out and I think I've made like 0.2 of a level. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I think Dreams is going to be the game that, uh, I won't really pay attention to when it comes out, but like eight months after it comes out, there's going to be some sick YouTube videos of what people have made in that thing. Uh, and that's when I'll be like, wow, this dreams thing. I really should have gotten in on that when it launched, you know, <laughs> when kid becomes a millionaire with their YouTube videos about it. And you're just like, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I just, I'm not, I can't, uh, but yeah. it, it, it'll be interesting to see too, how, I, I clearly it has a very robust editor, but they haven't really shown how you make that stuff. You know, it's like, wow, you can make all of this in it. It's like, yeah, but how hard is it? Is it, did, did you have a stock ghost character that looks amazing or did you create that out of thin air somehow? You know? Yeah. They talked about that some at their panel and it's like, you animate it by just dragging it to do it. And that's the animation you'll see. And like, it's just hard. I don't know. It's just hard to sell that thing. Right. I Cause I was watching part of that part of the panel. I was like, Oh, cool then i was like as soon as they stopped talking i was like wait what do i do (laughs) which is kind of on me but you know i think it's going to be a thing a a very beautiful game that'll probably underperform uh, sadly but to the people that love it they are really gonna love it you know and they'll put they'll devote lifetimes worth of man hours into creating something beautiful with it which is cool yeah uh, all right. Well, let's uh, let's move on and talk about in detail some of the stuff we've been playing, uh, including at, uh, at at PSX. But first, I want to tell you about our sponsor, Squarespace. Uh, talking about making something beautiful and making something easy, man. Squarespace is the media mo- media molecule game of websites. <laughs> there you go. See what I did? How I took two things and put them together. Um, just like you can on Squarespace just with like, your drag and drop. Functionality. It's so easy. You just want you want to animate a ghost? <laughs> just squiggle around. Uh, Squarespace is legit easy web design and web creation. They, you start with a template, which is really beautiful, created by experts over at the Squarespace team. And then you can drag and drop in, move things around, make it your own. Make make a website or any kind of landing page, a portfolio, even a store. They have drag and drop storefront apps – or not apps, but uh, functionality on, on the Squarespace, Squarespace website – and uh, I've been using Squarespace, man, almost 10 years now. JeffCanada.com is is housed on Squarespace. I love it because it's easy, and I always suggest it to people because it's so simple. It's just why create a headache for yourself making a website? You Almost everybody needs a website, and almost nobody wants to spend the time learning HTML. I have no desire to go back and do any of that because Squarespace has made it obsolete. It's I mean, you can actually edit your Squarespace sites in HTML if you know if you know it, but there's no need because you have so much power with their tool set. In fact, don't even take my word for it. I'm I'm clumsily telling you how great it is. Just check it out for yourself. You can go and you can make it. Make your own thing yourself. Use their tools. Try it out. You don't even have to put a credit card in when you start using their tools. You only have to do that once you've made something you like. Then at 
checkout, what you can do is use our promo code. When you go to squarespace.com at checkout, you can use our promo code Jeff sent me, all one word, J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E, and then you'll get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Pretty great. Pretty great. So check it out. Use the tools. Make something. Turn your idea into a website. Make it beautiful. Make it make it easily. And uh, use Squarespace and let them know that you heard about it here by using our promo code Jeff sent me. Squarespace.com. Aaron, you are our guest, and uh, you've been playing some cool stuff, including one of those big announcements at uh, the Game Awards, the Zelda Champions Ballad DLC, which was one of those, like, Beyonce drops. We're like, here's what it is. It's out now. Boom. Pretty cool. Yes, I'm so glad I'm here because I know you guys aren't playing this. Uh... <laughs> Ooh, hey, easy on those Taylor Swift drops there, Aaron. That's true. <laughs> I mean, I will, you know, it was the Game Awards Game of the Year. It was also uh, Entertainment Weekly's Game of the Year, but yeah, I'm sure no one wants to talk about it. Uh, <laughs> Good, you're right. Let's move to tabletop time. <laughs> Ouch. So, so yeah, I uh, was very, I'm very excited for this. Um, I started, uh, I picked, I hadn't played Breath of the Wild in quite a, a couple months, I would say. Um, and I started replaying it a bit when I was working on um, our Game of the Year picks, you know, just to like make sure that I felt the same and I lost like an entire weekend to it once again. And that was before the DLC even hit. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I felt pretty, pretty confident in that. And then today, or uh, sorry, when it was announced on Thursday, I was excited and I kept refreshing my switch and waiting, (laughs) waiting, waiting. Uh, But yeah, I spent basically this entire weekend uh, playing through it. And I, it's, uh, it's great because it's, I had done a lot of Breath of the Wild. I think I put probably a hundred hours into it, which is for me is quite a lot. I'm for anybody. One of those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm definitely one of those, you know, I'll play through a story and then I'm pretty much good to go. Mm-hmm. And then there's something about Breath of the Wild for me that just keeps me so engaged. And well, it has um, no it's... story. So you have to keep going. <laughs> <laughs> we've been on the, we've been through this on Twitter, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> The, um, it's, it's so great to have a reason to jump back in. And the way that it's integrated is very seamlessly. Um, it basically pops up some new stuff. And I, I don't want to get too spoilery for people who haven't put any time into it, but it basically, um, pops up a bunch of new quests and they're integrated into the world that you've already explored. And the crazy thing about Breath of the Wild is that it's, it's so huge that, you know, even, there's places that you haven't been to. So, you know, while I'm, I have this new impetus to discover these new quests, I'm finding shrines I missed and Korok seeds that I had, you know, run past and all this stuff. And I, I just think it's a, such a great reason to jump back into it. If you like me had kind of uh, dropped off or if like you two had never really played it. That's what you should do. They should release another DLC, and it's like all this new content, but all it really does is highlight the old content you haven't done yet. <laughs> That's brand new. Oh my god! There's a hundred shrines. They added a hundred shrines. I mean, they kind of did that with the first DLC, where they like gave you a map that shows you where you've been. So you're like, oh my god, I never even went to the bottom right ever. I haven't left my home planet. What am I doing? I just have been wandering in circles for 48 hours. That's crazy. Uh, how, tell me about that motorcycle. Did you get that motorcycle? When did you get that motorcycle? 
I think it takes a while. Um, it seems like a pretty sizable chunk of uh, new stuff to do. Um, again, I don't. If people are worried about spoilers, I'd say give it like you know ninety seconds or whatever. Um, but it basically opens up. So you're basically playing uh, new quests based on each of the four champions mm-hmm. uh, in the game, and each one is broken up into I think three different uh, tasks you have to do that open three separate shrines. And then I have played through two of those and I literally played all day yesterday and most of today. <laughs> so uh, it's a, it's pretty uh, sizable and you don't wow. get the rad motorcycle until the end of all of that. But I will say that the, the shrines are great. Uh, the quests are great. Uh, the thing that I love about this game is that it's all about the systems in play and we, you guys were kind of touching on that with Metal Gear Solid five. Yeah. And it, it has a very similar feel to me in that way where it's just, you know, you could, the way you do something is, could be completely different from the way someone else approaches it. And it's, it, you know, it gives you these rules and these systems and it's kind of up to you to figure out how to make, to make it happen. Right. Yeah. No, it's undeniably uh, exquisite game design. And I think uh, something that's going to change the industry forever, but um, I just, didn't have as much fun playing as that I as I did with Horizon Zero Dawn, for example. I, and I played those like so back to back that I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, and it's I, like they I came out the, the same week. Yeah. <laughs> right. I had the opposite where I was so glad that I played her, uh, Horizon first mm-hmm. because if I think if I hadn't, then my opinion of Horizon would have been a lot less. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, it's cool that they're updating it. I mean, it's crazy to have DLC in a Zelda game at all, let alone like crazy motorcycle style. I, I just, <laughs> but I think if I if I had my druthers, I would want you know you buy the DLC or download the DLC, and literally somebody runs up to you and goes, "Hey, motorcycle!" and you just jump on it. You know, <laughs> that would be what I want. Just give me the motorcycle. I don't want to do anything for it. Let me just have it, and then I can motor around the entire giant Hyrule. It'd be awesome. Uh, you also uh, said that you've been playing uh, some of those PS4 PlayLink games, and people have been talking about these in such positive terms. I was so skeptical about this tech; it felt like such a gimmick. But people love these games. Do you? Are you one of them? Yeah, yeah I'm. I'm. I'm pretty pleased with them so far. I mean, I feel like they, it was such a soft, quiet launch. You know, I got like an uh, an email from Sony PR and like a download code for Hidden Agenda. And so I was like, all right, I'll, I'll check them out. Because I'm actually a big fan of the uh, Jackbox Party Pack games mm-hmm. um, because they work so well with, you know, non-gamers if, if, you, have, if you have people over. And uh, this is kind of in that same vein where you, you know, you download an app on your phone and then it's like up to, I think, depending on the game, four to six player uh, kind of co-op stuff. And uh, I, I tested out two of them when I had a dinner party a couple weeks ago. And um, so one of them is called That's You, and it's kind of like a quiz game. It's very, very similar to Jackbox Party Pack games, but I didn't find it quite as um, clever or funny. But at the same time, it had a really good smartphone implementation where, you know, you're taking pictures of, you know, yourself or someone else, and then you're drawing on them. So, like, it did some pretty interesting things, and it ended up being pretty enjoyable. Uh, the other one was uh, Hidden Agenda, which is from uh, Supermassive Games, who mm-hmm. did uh, Until Dawn. Right. And it's this kind of, like, crazy co-op. It's almost like a, 
mystery thriller movie choose your own adventure kind of thing where all the players are kind of like voting on what you should do next but right. it looks like a ps4 game so it looks you know pretty stunning like i think it looks miles better than until dawn did and i actually did not care for until dawn at all hmm. so, and i i feel like it, it's kind of like uh improving on everything that until the dawn did but adding in this kind of multiplayer aspect to it. And it's, uh, you know, it's like the story's not amazing, but it was, it kept us going. And I think we ended up playing about almost two hours. Now, is this the kind of thing uh, where you, you are, everybody also has a hidden agenda, right? So you are, you are influencing the, the story on the screen, but you're also all trying maybe at cross purposes with one another and fighting for your own thing. It's not that uh, kind of uh, sneaky, but mm. it's more that like you could choose to hijack the vote ah. and then just do whatever you want to do. Okay. Uh, which I ended up doing and then getting the worst ending that you could get. So. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I, you know, I think they're pretty good first starts. I'd be super curious to see what else they can do with this. And I love the tech of using a smartphone because it's so, you know, familiar and comfortable to people who don't know what dual analog sticks are. Yeah. So I think it's pretty interesting in that regard. So is the joy of Hidden Agenda finding out what happens next in the story? Or is the joy having influence and, you know, working on your own plot or whatever? I think it's both for sure. Mm. And it's also, there's a little bit of a, an element of trying to um, screw over your friends. I'd be like, no, I don't want to do that. Because you do get that chance uh, at certain intervals to kind of just take it take the choice. Right. You know? Right. But the narrative, some interesting like um, men- mentality happening where if you, you can see people's cursors moving to like a decision and you uh, know, yeah. if you see three, three things going to one, you're like, wait, what should I be doing that? You know? <laughs> Stanford prison experiment, or whatever it is. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the, 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 the narrative itself is strong enough that it, it, you know, can even entertain people that might not be usually into video games? I think so. I, I'd be curious to to play it again to see how much your choices affect. Because we did only play it once. Yeah. Um, because it was pretty substantial. I, I feel like it was almost two hours. So hmm. it was like watching a movie. Hmm. Um, but it'd be, I'd be curious to see how much your choices, you know, affect it and how much replayability it, it has. Yeah, because I feel like the the target audience for any of these games is people that normally wouldn't pick up a controller. It's like, hey, just use your phone because right. you know everybody's got a phone. You know, use it. it. Feels like that's that's really who it's for. And and so I'm 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 surprised that and pleased to hear that that they seem to have uh, nailed that. I would definitely recommend um, testing it out on unsuspecting uh, party <laughs> guests. Right. <laughs> uh, the the only downside is that you have to uh, download an individual app per game. Like, it's right. not just one app that has, you know, everything that you need. And I, I think there's only, like, a handful of games, like four or something. But mm. that is kind of a, you know, downside versus, like, Jackbox where you just log into a website. Right. Yeah. That's an odd choice that they made. But maybe it's per developer or something. I don't know. Right. Right. Uh, Christian, let's talk uh, – well, before we get to PlayStation experience, let's talk um, about what else you've been playing this week. Sure. So I bought Injustice 2, the complete edition or whatever, the big expensive edition, um, was on sale from Xbox Live digitally during Black Friday for that week. Um, I think it was $40, something like that. Still big, but not expensive edition. 
Right. Yeah, still big, but not as expensive edition, but you still don't get Dark Side because you didn't pre-order edition. was the edition <laughs> I bought. And I had played through the campaign when I had the game from Gamefly and got it the first time around and, and played with it. But what got me to jump on this was the the joy of the multiverse, that tower loot grind that is so well implemented in the game. And then the addition of the Ninja Turtles coming with this next um, DLC pack, which I'm a, I'm a sucker for turtles. You know, I'm going to, okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> so when I saw I could get the whole game, including that upcoming DLC pack for, I think it was 40 bucks, whatever it was, um, that was worth it to me. And I have dove back into that game in a pretty big way over the past few days. And I thought I had my five faves kind of locked down at this point. Like, you know, I'll spend some more time with some few games here and there over the holidays, but I think I was in a comfortable place. And I, I thought Injustice was maybe on the outside looking in. I don't know, man. That game is so good. I don't it know really if you've gone back good. to it, Jeff, but it is so good. And especially, like, I loved Destiny. I, I still like Destiny. But reading about some of the disappointment that people have had with the DLC for that game and kind of how it's managed in-game content. Um, and I'm not a fighting game guru. I didn't watch Capcom Cup tonight. I'll watch some highlights later, and I watch highlights of Evo. But I'll never be, like, anywhere near you know, an, a capable player of a fighting game. Um, but so I don't, maybe it's different if you're a top tier fighter and you realize, Oh, it falls apart or whatever, but just grinding through those multiverse things and getting little trinkets for my superheroes and playing dress up with them, but having them have impacts on how I play with that character and what it strengths and weaknesses are. And it also looks different and buffs for, it, it just scratches that itch of what we were talking about last week with Anthony of, I'm playing it to collect stuff, but I'm also playing with some of my favorite characters of all time. Um, and uh, yeah, so I don't know. I just needed to give props to that game again because I think it's going to be criminally underrated come best of the year, favorite of the year award season, so to speak. Yeah. And uh, that's a shame because it's so good. It's it did so win uh, the Game Awards best fighting game of the year. So again, Christian Spicer agreeing with the Game Awards at, at every turn. I should have watched. I, I would have known. It definitely wins best award, uh, best game for it looks like a human being wearing green face paint. Yeah. It's really <laughs> creepy how it looks like a person in, in, in cosplay. Yeah, Brainiac especially. It looks like they painted. It's so good. It's yeah. stunning. Stunning. And uh, I think, you know, it's funny. We talked about in the news section, we talked about uh, Soul Calibur Six. And I feel like Soul Calibur was the first fighting game franchise that really doubled down on giving a single player lots to do and yeah. giving you, you know, and Mortal Kombat did that. NetherRealm really picked up that mantle, I think, in more recent years. But Injustice 2, I think, as you've been saying, you don't have to be super competitive at fighting games. You can just have fun in that world doing a thing that is really fun, watching characters that you love, and there's there's lots to still do and collect and and – you know, I feel like fighting games for the most part, at a certain point, you either go, I'm going to be competitive at this or there's not anything else for me to do in this game. And uh, Injustice 2, I think, double down. Although, word have it that this uh, Street Fighter V arcade mode that's <laughs> coming out is going to have, what, 250 endings or something crazy? So yeah. maybe that's their version of lots to do at single player. So I, don't I know. hope it's – well, speaking of lots to do, and this is like just now happening, uh, but they announced the 30th anniversary edition of Street Fighter Two. Yeah, I think it's coming in 2018 for like Switch, PS4, Xbox One, and it has like 12 games in it. That looks – that has lots to do. Uh, I, I feel like going back to Injustice 2, though – just highlights how badly Capcom dropped the ball on Marvel v. Capcom Infinite. Um, yeah. It's a shame because I love those characters so much too. But Injustice 2, 
it's it's up there, man. It's so good. It's so good. So let's talk about PlayStation Experience. You and I were there together, hanging out Aww. like bros, uh, and um, we. I think the majority of what we did was in VR. So we'll talk about that in the VR segment coming up. But uh, we did talk. We did play uh, lots of. There was tons of stuff to do at at PlayStation Experience. Uh, I'd like to start with a game that really captured my attention. In fact, I texted you and like and said, "You got to play this." I was literally waiting in line to play it. By the oh, way, really? That. Oh, yeah, that's I was good. Like, that's I was good. like, I got to check that out. And then I looked up, I was like, "Oh, it's the game I'm at." <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Uh, it's called The Gardens Between. I think this was uh, one of the Paris Games Week announcement games that Sony just revealed, uh, and it's really hard to describe it. I tried to do it on newest, latest, best yesterday, and I had a hard time describing it, but. It, it, it kind of takes place in this dream world. Uh, you play a couple of, uh, adolescent boy, that are boys that are buddies, uh, that are stepping through a kind of, a series of islands. There are, there are these circular islands that are composed of memory fragments and like, uh, icons, uh, imagery that is from points in their life, but done in a way of like, you know, they're giant and, and cobbled together. The islands themselves are almost made up of these things. And you guide, you, you don't actually even directly control the two characters. Uh, you are controlling time and they were making their way through those islands around the islands up to the top of the islands themselves. You're just allowing time to move forward, but sometimes they get to a point where they can't move forward and you have to manipulate the environment in certain ways to allow them to go forward. And sometimes you have to rewind time a little farther back and let them do a certain thing and then move time forward again to keep them moving. It It's kind of hard to explain, but I found it really beautiful and totally captivating. What did you think? Yeah, I, I think for like the, the simplest way I could describe it is it's like, Echo Chrome meets Braid. If that, if that <laughs> okay, I don't know if that's like, clearer or more obvious. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Or, or like, or Monumental Valley thrown in there somewhere, also, yeah, just yeah. in terms of like aesthetic and and twisting the world. Um, yeah, it's it's charming, it's captivating. I think this is gonna if it if the full game you know continues to be what I was able to play at PSX, I think this is gonna blow a lot of people away and be one of those you know indie darlings, so to speak. That that could take the scene by storm. And it, it's so, it seems so well produced again. Apparently anyone can make a video game these days. Not that these aren't, that this is just anyone, but like you walk the PSX show floor and just the amount of stunningly looking games. Yeah. Um, and this being no exception is just, it, it, this game is jaw dropping. It's beautiful. It's absolutely yeah, And beautiful. the art design in particular is, is really, really striking. And it's really not like any other game. It's kind of got this animated look, but in a way that is completely unique, I think. And, I was talking to the developer and I said, uh, so how many of these, these islands are there? And he goes, I lost count. I was like, wow, because it's not like levels in Monument Valley. It, each of them is completely its own flower. You know, it's, it, it is completely designed with different imagery and iconography. There's one level that is like all old, 80s tech, you know, like there's a VCR and like a Nintendo controller, and those are literally features of the mountain of the island that you are climbing across and scampering up. And it is, it's just, it's, it's really unlike anything else I've ever seen. It's really, really cool. So that's the yeah. gardens between. Yeah. 
Yep. Uh, what else did you play uh, that was not VR? Uh, so I'll start with another one that you brought me into that I might have had just walked by because it had like a little bit of a crowd. I couldn't quite see what was going on. We kind of would have kept moving, but you're like, no, you need to play it. Just Shapes and Beats, which I guess you played at PAX. And it is um, a bullet hell. <laughs> you're a color. You're a little ship. And you're just told to avoid pink. Pink is bad. And music is playing, you know, different techno or like, you know, pulse gets you res infinite style music gets you moving and shaking and then um you can dash and while you're dashing you're invincible you could play four player co-op and you could dash into a person who has been downed to revive them and you just looked at me and said uh yeah you can you can dash and you're invincible and then you looked at me with this big smile on your face and said and you're gonna need it (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's and then the game starts and it yes it is like it's not actually bullets but it's that it's bullet hell ikaruga style like good luck jerk uh <laughs> yeah it's all but it's all it, it it it's almost it's very rarely bullets it's almost all shapes and colors and insanity shooting at you and the game is kind of taunting you along you know it'll, it'll text comes up on the screen saying oh you've survived this far well, that's not gonna last very long and it's 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 constantly using i mean there's gonna be these savants at this game that are just gonna post videos on YouTube and show you how bad you are at it. But I, I don't know. I lo- the aesthetic is fun. The fact that the techno music gets me jam into it and all of the chaos on screen is almost choreographed to the beat. Yeah. It's not random. It did not appear from what I played. It's not randomly generated. It was right. all like you could memorize this and it happens like it's well-timed and um, plays out really, really fast and really, really chaotic. Yeah. I, the only thing about this though is I, I, I've talked to the guys that made it, and they have said, as of right now, there is no online co-op. And mm. I feel like this game is made for co-op. I mean, it is pure... That's why it's so great at a PAX or a PlayStation experience, because you're playing with four people, and everybody's trying to survive, and you're laughing and talking about how hard it is and dying. At, you know, That is the game, I think. It'll, I think less fun just beating your head against the wall by yourself alone in a room. I think alone, it kind of it needs to become that Zen state game, you know, yeah, like the uh, old uh, Geometry Wars or something. Yeah, and I think that's where it could catch on. I wonder if their fear of online is just if it's not if anyone has lag, you know, the game becomes sure. unplayable. So right. that might be something they're trying to work on. But it's fun. It's uh, again just shapes and beats. Yeah, I played that game about three or four years ago at PAX East, I think. Yeah, um, and. It was a blast to play with four people, you know, like three other strangers and people were shouting and high-fiving and whatnot. And the depressing part is that you probably played the same level we played because <laughs> right. I feel like I they've... Say, I, I also played below at that pack and <laughs> yeah. neither of those is anywhere near to coming out yet. Yeah, it's a little sad, but I have high yeah. hopes for this one. Yeah, and then... Two others I'll highlight. One, Horizon Chase Turbo, which there's a version of Horizon Chase on iOS right now. And it kind of has that Sega Ferrari F355 or whatever that game, like that old school style outrun, you know, look and aesthetic to it, racing game. And I love the color palette. I love the aesthetic. I love the music. I love the world. I think in terms of like actual mechanics, both on iOS and now on the PS4 version they're making, it's not the most compelling game. Uh, it, it again, it's outrun, right? So it's not, it's like, oh, this is cool. And then you're like, wait, I don't quite have the control I want. Um, 
but it has a progression where you're unlocking new courses and new tracks and parts of the world and stuff like that. And um, Horizon Chase adds this element of running out of gas where you're kind of like collecting gas as you go. So it might take you off of the driving line to get gas um, in order to finish the race. Otherwise, your car might run out of gas. Uh, so something worth looking out for. I don't know if it will set the world on fire by any stretch of the imagination. But this other game that I stumbled upon that I guess is coming to PlayStation 4 in February, but is out now on PS uh, on PC, which I bought but haven't played yet since coming home from PSX. It's called Deadbolt. And Deadbolt is uh, visually similar to Not a Hero, if you remember that game, um, where it's, you know, sprite-based, pixel animation, kind of like you're looking at a building that has the front wall removed from it, so you can see all the floors and um, staircases and stuff like that. You're looking into a building with x-ray vision. Like elevator um, action. Yes, 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 <laughs> like elevator action. Uh, that's a much better reference than the game I said that came out two years ago. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but the way Not a Hero is very fast paced and it was kind of the elevator action version of Gears of War where it's cover based, you're running, ducking, shooting. Deadbolt, this game is very, it's, it's kind of, it reminded me of, uh, Not a Hero meets, um, oh no, I'm blanking on the name. There's another game like this where you'd shoot out lights. It came out maybe a year or two yeah, ago. I know exactly what you're talking about and I can't remember what it's called. I just had uh, it. Monaco? Yes. Yeah. It, or that's the same. That's the same dev. If that's not it. I think that's it though. I'll Google it later. Internet, you know what we're talking about. But so this game, Deadbolt is strategic like that, where you come into a room and like you're killing, um, zombies and you'll pick up a gun and then they'll hear you and you can throw it and stab and you can kind of see the whole level, you know, from that sh- uh, sheared plane, that elevator action view. Um, and you kind of plan where you want to go and how you want to attack things. And if you make noise over here, can you pull a zombie this way and take them out? So it has that puzzle mechanic, but it was really, really slick. And the dev said they spent a decent amount of time getting it to feel good with the controller, um, in terms of like aiming to shoot and stuff like that. And, uh, it felt really good. So if you don't have a PC and just need to look out for, it's called deadbolt. I think it's February is what they're target targeting for PS4. Very, very cool. Uh, well, we will move on. But I want to tell you about Machites. I love Machites. I really, really do. I love the sheets that are on my bed. They're Brooklyn in sheets. And I uh, I adore them. I, they make me sleep so soundly. Uh, I have never had such luxury in, in sheets. It's, it's, it's really It really is a big difference from the uh, crappy, scratchy sheets that I had on my bed. Uh, I upgraded to Brooklyn in, and I have found uh, it to be... Christian, you you have Brooklyn in as well, right? I do. Uh, sleeping on them right now. I, I think I said this last week. You're we sleeping right now? Well, I feel like I'm sleeping through this show. No, yeah, um, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> they're they're wonderful. They're fantastic. With my wife and I, very much enjoy them. Yeah, we we got my wife and I got the um, the white and gray stripe uh, uh, duvet cover. Mm-hmm. Which we love. Uh, looks really sharp in our in our bedroom. Uh, duvet cover. My wife loves the fact that the duvet cover has a uh, these little tassels that make sure that you the the uh, duvet inside doesn't move around. She loves the fact that the tassels are part of the exact stitching. They're not stitched on. They're not something that can be torn off. They're part of the actual fabric. These are very details that she you know prioritizes quite quite strongly. Uh, well, if you ever changed your sheets, you'd prioritize them too. Apparently, you don't do any of the heavy lifting around the house. I, it's very true. Very true. I'm a, <laughs> the worst. 
Uh, I hate – my worst nightmare is changing a duvet cover. I, 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 it is a nightmare. I, I despise. But uh, I love the fact that I feels good when I put on my, my Brooklinen sheets. You can have Brooklinen sheets as well. Uh, Brooklinen has come up with an exclusive offer just for DLC listeners. You get $20 off and free shipping when you use promo code DLC at brooklinen.com. So you got to do is go to brooklinen, B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. Use the promo code DLC. You get yourself $20 off plus free shipping. And Brooklinen is so confident that you're going to love their sheets that they will offer you a risk-free 60-night satisfaction guarantee and a lifetime warranty on all their sheets and comforters. So there's no reason not to give it a shot. Give yourself a gift this holiday season. Give your loved one a gift. Sleep better. It's just so comfortable. Brooklinen.com and the promo code DLC. Big meaty VR segment this week because all of us have played some VR. I want to start with you, Aaron. And uh, your take on Doom VFR, uh, first of all, what did you play it on? So I played it on uh, PlayStation VR, and okay. I was using the AIM controller. Ooh. And I tweaked the controls so that I could freely move. I, I actually tried it a couple different ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like with the segmented view, or, you know, the 30 degrees or whatever, right. and then the full kind of dual analog stick. Which works really well, except for that it made me break out into a sweat mm. and have to take it off and stop playing forever. Right, for all the exercise you were getting because of the <laughs> exercise. <laughs> I mean, it was it was rough. It was one of the worst VR experiences I've ever had as far as motion sickness. Oh no, that's a bummer. Yeah, it was uh, it, it was a bummer because it looks incredible. You know, like just looking around and and seeing and seeing that world is mm-hmm. super cool. I love I loved the Doom reboot so much. It was one of my uh, EW's top ten game of the years. Uh, whenever that came out last year, I guess. And you guys um, had a good one. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Man, zing! Wow. <laughs> <laughs> this year's list is good. Go read it for yourselves, dear listeners, and see where you fall. No, I like it. I like it. But uh, yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't do it. it I, yeah, it just. It were you just so sort of easy? Were you only interested in playing it in the smooth movement mode, or did you try the teleportation? No, I, I tried the teleportation, the kind of degree of turn and all that, and it, it didn't seem to matter what I did. Uh, that's a bummer. Um, yeah, it was a bummer because I was very excited for it. Uh, but I'm just going to hold out for a wipeout and get my barf bag ready. Yeah, I guess uh, I guess we can all get our barf bags ready. Um, and speaking of which, Christian and I did a lot of VR stuff at PlayStation Experience. And I, I, I was really glad that they put such an emphasis on it there because it's the perfect kind of venue to get people who are excited about trying it, uh, you know, get into a headset and, and try it out for themselves. That's exactly what Sony should be doing, I think, is – giving people ways at these kinds of events to, to give it a shot. So we got a chance to try Wipeout. Let's start there, Christian. Wipeout VR. Um, you talked about it a little at the top. What did you What did you think? I was very nervous um, because Dirt Rally VR just destroys me um, when I played the off-road uh, version or off-road levels and Gran Turismo Sport just destroyed me. Um, so I was thinking, oh, wipeout, that's very much, you're going up and down and it's hills and, you know, all of this stuff. And I was, I was very nervous about it. 
uh, I played, I did two and a half races uh, in Wipeout VR, and I had no issues. I was blown away by how it felt. So you have, um, I think it's three camera options. One is uh, in the cockpit, and then one is like a close follow, and then one is a far farther follow from outside the cockpit. When cockpit I to- is is brand new for Wipeout, right? They didn't have a, a cockpit view before, right? You yeah. could do it, it like hood mounted, if right. that makes sense. But like, not you, this yeah. is like you're looking down at a body holding a controller, you know, inside a cockpit with detail of the inside interior of those Wipeout vehicles. Right. Yeah, that is that is new. It's like it, you know you're seeing the the dash of the car. Um, I found cockpit being the way to play when I moved it out to a follow cam, I did start to feel a little nauseous. I was like, Oh, this isn't working for me. But in the cockpit, um, when I was talking to, um, the woman there that was guiding, kind of guiding me through the experience or, you know, telling me about the game, she said, there are sliders that you can do in terms of how much roll and motion you want it to have when you're playing in that cockpit view. And mine, I was on default and she asked if I wanted to turn it up you know, to 11. And I was like, maybe, but like, let's just leave it here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And what I thought was really smart about it is that, you know, if you've played Wipeout, these ships are moving around the course. The course isn't flat where the, the, the ship will have roll to it as it comes around a bend. And in the cockpit view, what happened is you're, you could see the wings kind of externally or the nose out in front of the ship and that would bend and that would have roll to it. But you in the cockpit stayed centered almost as if it was kind of a, like gyroscoped in there, which doesn't, isn't how the ships look per se when you're playing the game. But I think it's a really smart addition for getting people to play it in VR where you're not rolling and tumbling all over the place. Cause I think that could make people sick, but, and then, oh man. And then just playing it in VR, like driving up into a bomb going off and having that, like that 3d, you know, the effect that VR gives you where you, like the smoke, the particles kind of go around you and your ship rumbles as you veer into the next turn. Like this is a game I'm very intimately familiar with. And this sounds uh trite uh, or, or just, it sounds cliche, but like playing it in VR, I felt like I was playing these courses for the first time again. It was awesome. You sat down after me, and you're not as big of a Wipeout fan, but right. uh, you're a VR fan. How did how did it feel? Yeah, I I was very impressed with it as well. I mean, it's thrilling. You do ha- have that sense of insane speed that Wipeout is known for. And being inside the cockpit is even more thrilling because, you know, you feel like you're plummeting down those, those tracks and defying gravity and going, uh, you know, insane, insane speeds. <laughs> going off the track, which I did a lot because I'm terrible at wipeout <laughs> is harrowing. It's like, you feel like you are plummeting off the earth. It is, it is, uh, uh terrifying. I mean, I didn't, it didn't mess with me in any way, but it, it was just like, oh God, I'm, I'm, I'm going to die. Uh, but you were right that when you pop out of the cockpit mode, which I foolishly did a few times just to try it, that is when I did feel uh, a little nausea. It was, it, it did, it, I wasn't nauseated at, at any point inside the cockpit mode as, as crazy as I got, as wild. And I had her turn all of the, safe stuff off for me just to see because you were like 
you kind of challenged me. Let's be honest. <laughs> Christian was like, Jeff, you Mr. VR. You, you, you know, she, he's like, hey, d- give him the full experience. And I was like, okay, well, here we go. Uh, but yeah, the, mo- the literally the moment I pushed the triangle button to change the view to exterior, then it was like, Bruh. so, I mean, in his defense, Sean Layden was not incorrect, but I, I do think the, the cockpit, uh, mitigates that to a, to a, very significant amount so yeah i played it once on venom and then once and a half on rapier so if you know the speeds like you know i kicked it up a notch in on rapier flying around in cockpit i did not get nauseous so christian real quick do do you when you play wipeout do you normally play in the kind of like first person ish mode or like the the Oh God, back. no! I play as far back as I can to see yeah, as much of the right? course as possible. That's, yeah, that's that's the one thing that kind of concerns me because I I never have particularly liked playing first person racing games. Um, I don't think this is how you'll get your fastest hot lap playing in cockpit view, but it's just it's just a different experience. And playing in VR again, this sounds cliche, but playing in VR gives you a sense of of presence that just playing on hood cam and wipeout. That doesn't provide where it, it it feels much more manageable than hood cam. Again, I did one track on rapier, so I wasn't running around in phantom or doing um what it was pulse mode or whatever, where it just gets faster and faster and faster and faster and faster. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, 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 this is free if you already own it, right? Yeah, if right. you own the game, so yeah. just download it and see if you like it. Like that's that's the kicker. Like I don't get what Sony's doing with all this stuff. From a <laughs> they're like, yeah, you have the game that you can buy for twenty bucks now. Well, here's the whole game in VR for free. And that's cool, incredible. Speaking of free, uh, Last Guardian VR I think is coming out next week for free. Twelfth, I think. Yeah. Oh, even this week. Um, I think it's this week. I think it's like Tuesday or whatever that day is. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we played through the entire experience uh, at PlayStation Experience. And it is not long. <laughs> it's quite brief. It is really more of a teaser of what a Last Guardian in VR might be like. It's a don't you wish we did this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if you remember when we reviewed Last Guardian last year, I was like, this should have been in VR. And everybody laughed at me. You know who didn't <laughs> laugh at me? Team Eco. Yeah, they made it. Anyway, um, I think this – experience which again is free and is a demo and i don't even think you have to own last guardian to download it you just get it correct um i find it to be both awesome and disappointing simultaneously because uh i think being i mean the sense of scale which is so much of, of what last guardian is about that feeling that there's this giant creature in this giant world with these these soaring architectural, you know, fragile looking architectural, uh, creations all around you. Um, all of that plays so great inside the headset because it, it, you really do have a sense of, you know, being this tiny thing in the face of this magnificent, huge creature in this towering world. But they completely abandon any freedom of movement. It is a node to node teleportation game. Uh, so you look where you want to go, a little node lights up and you push a button, you can move over there. Um, so it's very simplistic. They, there's a lot of times where the game just fades to black rather than animating or bringing you into a moment. Like if you were in a climb up on the back of Trico, it fades to black and then fades up and you're on Trico's back. But there are still some wonderful moments, 
is particularly when you finally get outside, if you played Last Guardian and you know how you stand on these precipices looking out over these wild expanses of, of buildings, that in VR is amazing. Yeah, it's, if you remember like one of the trailer moments from uh, E3 two years ago, there's a moment in, in Last Guardian where you run and jump and, and Trico catches you. And they've recreated that moment on like this, you know, 400 year old looking scaffolding. Um, and, and being out there on that ledge in VR and then having that moment happen is, it's awesome. It's, it's jaw dropping, but it is, it, it's, uh, only playable on the DualShock 4. You don't use the touch controllers and you can like pick up and throw barrels to Trico, but it's doing it by press X and then look and press X. And it feels like, um, a missed opportunity to not have that be. And I think I could have fun just in a huge, um, abandoned, you know, old cathedral or whatever with Trico and be throwing, using the touch controllers and just throwing barrels at him. Like that's yeah. fun. And you know petting I mean? him. And, you know, like if it had that touch control where you could literally reach out, cause there's a moment right at the beginning where he like leans down right up close to you and nuzzles you. Yeah. And it's amazing, but I, you know, you want to reach out and pet him like you can in the game. Uh, you know, by pressing a button in the game, but you could literally just reach out and feel the vibration of the move control. All of that would be, I think, a cool addition, but they just didn't go that way. Yeah. And again, I'm curious what this is for. Like, I don't know if this was like a proof of concept to build it out bigger for a next game or a sequel. It's cool. It's really neat. I wish you did have movement. I think Resident Evil 7, um, which is on Entertainment Weekly's wonderful top 10 list uh, <laughs> of the year, which is an incredible oh, game. It won't be getting it won't be getting enough love either. Apparently, unfortunately, at the end of the year, I fear um, it won uh, the best VR game at the Game Awards. Christian, yeah, much uh, to your disappointment, I was very upset about that. I, <laughs> honestly, I think I think it's an awesome game in VR, but it is it is not the best VR game of the year by a wild wide margin. Uh, Last Guardian in VR would be, um, but I think Resident Evil Seven has proven that you can have this, you know, real game moving around experience in VR. And so hopefully, whatever's next or whatever this was kind of built for um, continues on this because it, it's free. It's, if you're a fan of the game, check it out. If you have PSVR, check it out. But I can't recommend this as something to go rush and get a headset for because while you can play it for 20 minutes, as they described it, I think I played it for seven, <laughs> and I yeah. think I did everything. Let's talk about Firewall, which is the the other big new VR game that was announced. Uh, we got a plan- chance to to play it. This is the uh, real world style tactical first person shooter, uh, very a very you know Rainbow Six Siege style uh, in VR. We played. It's four on four. We played on on the same team, Christian and I, and we were all using the aim controller, which I think is the way to play this game. By the way. Um, and we were tasked with, uh, infiltrating this house. It's kind of a, I guess, kind of a Caribbean style or, or South American house villa. Uh, and there were four other players in a different room somewhere that were defending it. Uh, full freedom of movement here. So you do using the aim controllers, you were able to move and rotate and do anything you needed to do. Uh, a la Farpoint. If you have played Farpoint, you you can quickly picture how this game moves and controls. Yeah, but even more, I think, than Farpoint, which Farpoint made a point to sort of keep everything in front of you. This game That's doesn't true. doesn't care about that, right? Um, it is a it is a real you know Counter Strike style Rainbow Six style game, and uh, you have a flashlight on your on your gun. You have grenades. You have the whole nine yards, and you can turn on your flashlight. But if you're Jeff or I. 
your first time playing the game in the heat of the moment, neither one of you can turn off your flashlight. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, they're like, okay, here's the controls. This does this, this is this, this is go. And you're like, oh, wait, what does what? Um, anyway, what did you think of it, Christian? So I think that this game can be incredible. I had the unfortunate, um, demo of it's hard to do in these bright spaces i kept getting a pop-up saying i was out of the play area no one else on our team had that problem right so i don't know if i was just too tall or too short for how the camera was positioned or like uh, a light in the room was breaking it up we were also one of the very first people to play it that day so maybe you know who knows if they you know ironed that out or what but yeah so just all I can relay is my personal experience that I had a few moments of that that kind of broke the immersion. But when that wasn't happening, I mean, it, this is the real deal. I, I don't know if you're, how often you'll get 4v4 online uh, in a PSVR game. That being said, I guess Star Trek, you got to go to PC players to help that. Uh, that's my only concern. Maybe it fills it with bots. I didn't ask, so I don't know if that's the case. But like in the moment, you know, you're wandering around this house and it's tango, tango, tango. And panicking and and freaking out and missing shots because you are missing shots um i I think i don't know if they gave this a release date yet so i think it definitely has some work to be done as um before it comes out but in terms of like an announcement and then us going in and playing an online game 4v4 i was i was very impressed yeah i thought it was pretty cool as well and uh I, it was a little hard figuring out where I was shooting. Like there's no reticle or anything. And I don't remember having that problem with Farpoint. So hopefully they'll work that out before it's released. But, uh, yeah, the, again, I will say, as I've said many, many, many times, uh, playing with people in VR is the best because you really feel like you're in a place with a person and the team dynamic in this game in VR is a blast. I mean, you're in constant contact with one another. Your headset is communicating with your team and you really feel like you're being shot at and you're, you know, dealing with your teammate going down. I mean, there was a moment where a grenade came through a door and I yelled grenade. And then I saw Christian, (laughs) Christian go into ragdoll physics when, when previously he was moving exactly like Christian, you know, and then he moved and they went into ragdoll physics. It was like, no, I'll never forget you. You know, it was, uh, it's pretty cool. It's a, it's a, and again, very first step down this road, but it's so clear that this road is going to be so much fun. Yeah. I was really impressed. I hope, I hope there's a layer of polish that, that gets added to it. But I think, you know, with the three of us and who else do we know that has a headset, like let's get some games going, you know, let's pencil that in right now. Again, that's called Firewall, and it was just announced at PlayStation Experience. So I don't think they, I, I don't think they set a release date, right? No. I, not that I remember. Yeah. All right. Well, that is going to do it for this episode. We do have our parting gift coming up, so stick around for that. But Aaron Morales, thanks so much for being with us. It's always a pleasure. Oh, thank you so much. My pleasure. Absolutely. Awesome. Where can people keep up with you and your work online? Uh, I'm at, uh, on Twitter at airline M, uh, or you can read my horrible top 10 list at ew.com <laughs> slash gaming. I certainly didn't spend a lot of time on it. <laughs> it's a very good list. Aaron, people that oh. don't know us, Christian, he's never going to come back on the show. And, and this is, this is how we lose guests. Hey, Hey, Jeff, hush. People that don't know us that are just listening to this show, please know that Aaron and I have a long history this year of tweets back and forth in DMs 
busting each other's <laughs> balls over games we like and things we like about games and things we don't like. So please know that Aaron's horrible, horrible list is just a culmination <laughs> of bad decisions all year. <laughs> well, here's the good thing is that you can read my horrible, horrible list in print, if you still know what that is, uh, on uh, December 22nd when it hits newsstands. I think we've done a good job in uh, teasing this horrible, horrible list. I think people are going to have to rush on by that. <laughs> I know. People are going to be so excited. <laughs> uh, awesome. Uh, Christian, what about you? What do you got going on this week? I will be in Salt Lake City with Justin Willman uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Six shows, two on Friday, two on Saturday, one Thursday, one Sunday. You know how that works. Um, so come out. Come to those shows. They're going to be awesome. Justin is great, and he's so fun to work with. So I'm very excited to be out there in Salt Lake. So come. Uh, and if you're there, then say hi afterwards. And then uh, there was something else that I was going to say that was this week, but I don't remember. I don't remember what it was. Oh, this week's ALTMM is uh, all about PSX. So that will drop. Uh, Tuesday comes out Tuesday and it's kind of my thoughts on PSX as a whole and this year's air quote being smaller than last year's and stuff like that and uh, why I still came away from it very impressed and you can find that at patreon.com slash Christian Spicer Jeff what about you I think today somebody read me a press release that came out I think today as we're recording this or maybe it was yesterday uh, announcing the Hulu show that I'm doing, Defining oh, nice. Moments. Yeah. Uh, ESL uh, did four shows for Hulu. I'm hosting one of them. It's called Defining Moments. So I think – I don't know when they debut. I'm trying to find it. Um, nobody tells me when they debut. But uh, I think you'll be able to watch that very soon on Hulu. So I would love for you to check it out. It's all about esports and uh, the most amazing moments in he- esports history. And I nice think it's day. actually pretty cool. Yeah, can I say unofficially because I there's no way I know what it looks like. Unofficially, it's really good. Yeah, Christian definitely has not seen an early cut uh, that I'm not <laughs> supposed to show to anybody. Uh, uh, so yeah, defining moments is what that's called. It's, it's going to be available on Hulu if it's not already. And I also have a daily video game show called Newest, Latest, Best. You can find that on Anchor at anchor.fm/nlb or on any place that any any place that gives you podcast that you enjoy it's quick it's like 10 minutes a day and uh, i urge you to give it a shot newest latest best uh i also do the slash filmcast at slash filmcast.com and we have concerns at we have concerns.com all right guys uh let's wrap the show up now with a parting gift hey give us a suggestion of what to do this week give us a parting gift this is parting gift Aaron, do you have a suggestion uh, of something that people can enjoy to help them get through their week? Absolutely. Um, I don't know if if you guys have watched the TBS series Search Party. Mm -mm. Oh, my gosh. Uh, So it's kind of like a Brooklyn millennial hipster Nancy Drew mystery, (laughs) but good. Oh, wow. Um, So it stars uh, Alia Shawkat from Arrested Development, who played Maybe. Oh, right. Yeah. She, so the first season uh, was last year and it was kind of just like this, like, you know, kind of light, funny, like, you know, mystery. And then it got really dark at the end. And season two is just like super, super dark and yet still hilarious and sharp and satirical. And I just finished the uh, season two finale tonight and I was, I, I was like on the edge of my seat, like, and it's so, it, it does such a good job of like juggling, uh, genres. So it, it, one minute it's, it's hilarious and then it's heartbreaking and then it's suspenseful. 
I super, super recommend it. Short seasons. I think it's like 10 episodes per season. Hmm. And uh, it's, it's on TBS on demand. I absolutely love it. Against all odds, uh, TBS is producing some of my favorite comedies right now. I think my favorite current comedy is called The Detour, and it's on TBS. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this one's called Search Party, and it's on TBS. Christian, what about you? I'm coming to this late, so uh, I know there's at least one season, I think a couple, uh, are on Netflix. Um, but my wife and I started watching The Crown, which is uh, Queen Elizabeth II's kind of story, which one it kind of blows me away to, that there are just people like, you'd be like, hey, let's watch that Netflix show about grandma. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> this family's still very much a thing and doing a thing. But, man, I know it won a bunch of awards already, so I'm not saying anything new but it's so good it's so well done and it takes like you know british uh monarchy and parliament it could be very dry things it makes it so exciting like the music for the opening it, it seems like more game of thrones than downton abbey you know it's like i was like watching i was like man i think this is about queen elizabeth too but i also think she's about to kill a bunch of people <laughs> um, but it's really well done my wife and i are both really enjoying it and I, I think seasons one and two of the crown are currently available on netflix well i might as well stick with the uh the tv recommendation tip because i want to suggest checking out the marvelous miss mizell mrs mizell uh which is an uh, Amazon original. Uh, Christian, in particular, have you seen this yet? I've watched the pilot, and that is all. Did you not like it? No, I liked it a lot. I just – my wife wanted – you know, she'll watch The Crown with me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, my wife and I are actually very much enjoying Marvelous Mrs. Mizell, and uh, it, it's it's about a housewife in the 50s who starts doing stand-up comedy, and uh, it's really great. It's really, really fun and funny and charming and interesting and really well done. I mean, it's clearly got a huge budget because they transformed New York into the fifties in every episode and it's got a great cast. Uh, the, my only criticism is that it kind of treats, uh, doing stand up comedy as like a superpower. Like she yeah. just like gets drunk and is ma- magically can just do it extemporaneously rather than, you know, the hard work that it is for everyone that actually does it. Uh, but I highly recommend it. It's still very, very fun. The Marvelous Mrs. Mizell on Amazon Prime Streaming. We also got a uh, a listener to suggest a parting gift, which you can do if you would like. Um, this is from Yannick. He sent this in to dlcfeedback at gmail.com where you can send questions or comments about the show as well or your parting gift. Yannick suggested this. He said, I would like to suggest a podcast as a listener parting gift called Mission to Zix, Zykes, Z-Y-X-X, Zix, I guess. Uh, it differs from a lot of other podcasts by being an improv- improvised comedy sci-fi show. On it, performers who first met at the New York UCB Theater create fun stories set in a sci-fi universe inspired by Star Wars and other properties while joking around. It's always fun to hear situations where an actor flips the story around on the rest of the cast or pulls out an unexpected line. There are 13 episodes available for free so far on iTunes, podcasts, uh, pod, uh, anywhere you get podcasts. And uh, he wants to say thanks and enjoy the holiday season. So thank you, Yannick. Again, that's called Mission to Zix, I guess. And it's on uh, all podcast platforms. All right, guys. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Aaron Morales and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to all the folks that hung out with us in real time uh, by watching over at caffeine.tv slash Jeff Canada or twitch.tv 
slash Christian Spicer, where we stream uh, Sunday evenings now, starting at 7.30 p.m. Pacific time. And thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for making those cool bumpers. Thank you to you for downloading the show. We appreciate you listening and uh, sharing some of your precious time with us. We certainly do. uh, It means a lot to us. We'll be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.